This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Casey Cheshire. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization, this is Leadership in Action. The button is clicked. We're locked into the roller coaster. I'm excited to get started here. And today's guest is a leader, an entrepreneur, a motivator. He's also an innovator in the landscaping industry, member of EO Boston, co-owner and president of Landscape America, Doug McDuff. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Casey. I'm excited man. to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you here, man. I, man, I can't wait to crack this one open. I know you're going to come out swinging with a myth. So I just want to pass it over to you real quick. What is a common misconception or myth around leadership or being an entrepreneur and running a business? Yeah, I mean, I think a common myth that I like to bust is that sharing your financials with your team is is scary and it's going to interrupt the business and um and you know it's it's quite the opposite actually okay okay yeah th- i'm this is a really good one because i need to get into this so it is kind of scary because what are people thinking like why why are people thinking that they don't want to share why why don't employers share i think a lot of employers think that um if they share financials with the team the team's going to have an inside look at how much money the business is making or how much money the owners are making or like maybe potentially go off on their own. Um, so their owners create all these stories in their heads about why it's bad to share financials. But in fact, the team is actually creating these stories in their own head about what you're making, how much money the business has and so forth. So it just makes sense to share the financials and be transparent. And through that process, you get engagement from the employees. And that's, that's the most important thing is to try to get your whole team engaged in, in the uh, idea that business is a team sport. Yeah, I love this. Um, so many things here. Uh, first of all, the idea of the stories in our heads, I totally get that. We're thinking, oh man, if I share, they're going to, they're going to think I'm a millionaire, but to your point, they're already thinking these stories. They're already making some kind of guesstimate anyways. So, and, and if you actually share with them, they'll probably realize you're not actually making $12 million a year. Yeah. In fact, most of the time it's, it's almost embarrassing to <laughs> tell them what we're making as owners, uh, you know, and, or what the business is, is making. I've heard stories of that in the past where you tell the employees, you know, Hey, this is, this is how much net profit we're making on a job. And the employees are like, what are you talking about? Like, I thought we'd made, you know, on a hundred thousand dollar job, I thought we'd profit 50,000. And, you know, in our industry, average is probably between like a five and 15% net. So, you know, it's far from that 50% net that a lot of employees may have in their head. And when you share that information with them and you let them know what are the true costs of doing the work that we do, um, it starts to create an environment where they're trying to win because ultimately we all want to win. Employees all want to win too. And so if you can, if you can show them that path and get them to understand what is a win and how do we get there? Um, that's when we, you get that engagement and that team sport atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, that's huge, man. The idea of engagement because otherwise they're off their own, making their own stories up, you know, and whether they're being, you know, wasteful or not, but when you write them into the story, now they can, maybe they're looking at things differently. If they realize the job doesn't have that huge margin and 
man, we're only, you know, getting a little bit as a company. Maybe they're going to mind their vendors a little bit closer and just pay a little more attention. I, I don't know. What, what, what kind of engagement do you get? Like, what does that even mean when they're, they're more engaged? Is that a good thing? Or do you, I mean, that could be, I guess that could be a double-edged sword. Yeah. I mean, I think when, when the employees are engaged, they're making decisions on a daily basis that, that do affect the profitability. Um, I mean, regardless, they're making these decisions that are affect, they're going to affect the profitability in a positive or a negative way. Right. Um, so their daily behaviors and their decisions are, are, they're, they're happening anyways, but when you can get them to understand that, Hey, if you make this certain decision, or if your behavior changes to this, then we're all going to win as a team. And so, you know, there's, there's the process that we follow, it's open book management. And so it's, it's about sharing your finances with the team and, and really creating that engagement. Um, and there's, there's four sort of steps to getting there. Okay. Um, That's awesome. And so the first step is define winning, like define what a win is. And we think about that analogy that we hear all the time about sports and, you know, how does, how does the team know when the game's over, if they've won or not, or how do the team, how does the team know what the win is? And still that exercise with open book management is, is we go through this process of, we survey our customers, we survey our team, we look at our financials and we come up with a metric to track. That's going to be the metric. That's the win. And in our business, it's gross profit dollars. So our whole team is tracking gross profit dollars. And that's, that's what we define as a win. So at the beginning of the year, we set a number and say, Hey, this is, this is the number we want to achieve for gross profit. And everyone knows what it is and we're all driving towards that. The second piece is to create a scoreboard hmm. around that metric. And that scoreboard needs to be visible and shared with everyone so everyone can see it. And so the scoreboard's going to track things like your revenue, your cost of goods, and then our, our metric, which is gross profit. And that scoreboard is, is then turned into number three, which is a bonus plan. So the scoreboard ties into your bonus plan, which again, you're tracking gross profit dollars in our company. And so our, our team members know that they can look at the scoreboard and see, all right, what am I going to achieve for a bonus at the end of the year? If we hit the gross profit, we need to. Number four is we forecast and we drive results. So we do a weekly forecast with our team members, uh, our managers participate in that. And so we're forecasting revenue and costs of goods sold for each one of our sort of sales buckets. Um, and in our organization, it's maintenance, enhancements, snow, and design build. And so each manager reports the numbers for the, for the months that we're in and then the next month. So we're, we're kind of looking into the future as opposed to looking in the rearview mirror. Before we were doing open book, I'd always say that, you know, we're we're, we're looking in the rearview mirror all the time because by the time our actuals were done for the month, we were 15 days into that month and we were looking at things that happened potentially 45 days ago and you can't adjust, you can't change anything at that point. You're committed, like you're committed, it's done. Right. So forecasting helps us to kind of see what's going to happen in the future. And then we can make some changes on the fly and, uh, we can, we can shift and adjust the plan and, and try to hit those goals. So. Uh, define winning, create a scoreboard, have a bonus plan that's tied to it, and then forecast and drive the results. Man, how long have you been doing this? 
So we started in 2018. So it's our, our third year with open book. We had a coach help us implement that, that process. And so we've been running it now for a year on our own. Um, so we had the coach with, with us for two years. Were they helping with more than that or just specifically to help with the open book transition? Well, that's a good question. I mean, our coach is, is, um, he's still involved in our company and he still does leadership, leadership coaching with my brother and myself. Nice. Uh, but, but for this particular instance, he was helping us to implement open book and, and, and helping us understand how to, you know, how to get it all into the business. And then the most important thing is how to connect the dots with the team members. Yeah. That's smart, man. Um, I mean, having a coach for anything is, is huge, but I could see how, especially if you're know, like, ah, I don't, I'm going to do this wrong. You know, um, I think, I think probably a lot of people listening really appreciate the fact that you've got the four core elements detailed out. I mean, that's because it's one thing to just come on here and say, oh, you know, open book is great, but you're like, no, 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 no. Open book specifically this way. And the fact that, you know, you worked with a coach to make sure you're minding the details makes a lot of sense. It's like you're, you're planning for it to work as opposed to just winging it, you know, and having it fail. Yeah. And I, I think having the coach involved too drives that discipline because, um, you know, we've, we've tried other things in our business that, uh, we've tried to implement on our own. And, you know, just like I, I say all the time, like, a, like we chase the squirrel, you know, the, the, the next cool thing pops up and we say, all right, we're going to implement that. But then another squirrel runs by and we go, oh, chase that one instead. And, you know, having a coach involved absolutely helped us to implement it efficiently and, and quickly yeah. and, and kept that that weekly cadence of the forecasting meetings. What's his name? You want to give him a shout out? Yeah, it's Dan Foley. Dan uh, Foley. Son. Dan Foley is a, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. He's a friend. Um, he had a landscape business that he ran for 30 years or so. And he had implemented open book coaching into his business and ran it that way. And so he sold his business to a national company in 2009 worked for that national provider for five years and then retired in 2014. And, and he started to do a lot more of this open book coaching. And, and, uh, so yeah, he's been, he's been sort of our, our, our guidance through this whole process. Man, I, having someone like that in your corner, I mean, is priceless, you know, someone who, who not just a general coach, but someone who understands the business, you know, and successfully grew something. And that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's absolutely awesome. He keeps us on track for sure. You know, we still do monthly calls with him and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's great. He starts off with bright spots and has us talk about the positives in business. And, and that's helpful for me too, because a lot of times we just focus on what's going on, uh, in a negative sense or what's going wrong in the business. And, and, uh, he gets us to kind of look at, Hey, how far have we come? What are we doing well? And, and, and that's, that's super important as well. It's not how that. Isn't that funny that that's how that is? I, I same here, right? Uh, you ask me, you know, how's the business going? I can think of, you know, a whole list of things. I could I could list for days things that I want to improve, you know, things that we can work on that, that I know are missing. We need to add, but to have someone say, hold on a second, what's working well? Just to remind you that, oh yeah, you know, you just got the new customer, or you just, you know, new equipment or new teammate or whatever it is, just to pause for a second for that positive, you know, a little bit of gratitude, you know, at the beginning. Yeah. And, and share that with our team too. Right. I mean, we, we, yeah. to, uh, we tend to talk about where, where do we need to go and what do we need to do better? And maybe what are we doing wrong right now? And really what we should be talking to our team about is, Hey, 
nice job with that project the other day. You brought it in 10 man hours under what we had projected and, and that's great. And here's why that was a big win for the company. And, uh, you know, those, those instances tend to help drive, um, employees to want to do better rather than saying, oh man, we missed that job by 10 hours the other day. What, what went wrong? What are we going to do better? You know, it's like we're, we're coaching them to be negative all the time. And we're always focusing on that. That's a great point. You know, you know, it sort of rolls downhill, like how we act can, can set the tone for everyone else. You know, is this going to be a, we're all pecking at each other, you know, or are we all going to be, Hey, this is awesome. This is awesome. Let's go. You know, I, I think sometimes the, the, the overly positive CEO gets the bad rap of being like, you know, out of touch, but just as much though, always negative one is like a drag. Yeah, totally. And we, you know, you have, we have the metrics on the scoreboard that tell us if we're doing we're doing good or we're not doing good. We, you know, as an organization, everyone knows where we're at. And, um, but the, that communication to the, to the crew is so important to be positive. And, you know, we have a saying around here that high fives are free. So, you know, just high five each other and, 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 you know, talk about positive things. And then if a negative thing occurs, we do talk about it. We, we explain, you know, why it negatively affected our gross profit, but we don't harp on that. We, we, we harp on the bright spots. You know, it's interesting. I think scorecards can do that. Scoreboards can, sometimes they can be the bad guy, you know, and like we, then everybody knows, you know, and especially if we're all focusing and to your point, it's a place where people can all see it. You know, it's on there. It's red. We all know it's tied to that bonus plan or whatnot. And so, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be the bad guy always bringing up the bad number. It's like, we're all looking at it, you know, what can we do to make this thing better? Kind of twist it around and make it more action oriented. Yeah. And you, you just hit on a, on a, on a hurdle or a speed bump in that open book process that, that, um, sometimes when we have negative things going on in the business, the team does know about it. And sometimes it can feel like, you know, that sort of weight is on everyone's shoulders and everyone feels like there's a monkey in their back because things aren't going as well as we had planned them to. So, um, you want to be transparent with the team. And then when things aren't going well, you still, you still want them to know about it, but we sort of shift our communication when things aren't going well. Um, and we, we try to focus on positive things and not focus on that, that negative, um, feeling because it is on the scorecard. Like you said, it's out there, it's on the open. So every, everyone knows at that point, and we don't want to harp on that and make it, make it feel like the whole culture is negative. Right. Right. Yeah. Man, that's huge. Oh, this is great takeaways, man. Um, you know, your question too, you work with the coach and, and, and partners and whatnot. Curious if you, you know, often you hear that the phrase of it's, you know, it's isolating or it's lonely at the top, you know, as a business owner, do you have any resources or communities or groups or things that you, you leverage to stay connected and, you know, not isolated and lonely per se? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big believer in conferences, seminars, networking. So I spend a lot of time at national association events, um, statewide association events. Um, I've definitely been very involved in our, in our state association, mass landscape professionals. I am involved in a business group, the blue Hills business group. And so I meet once a month with that group and, and we talk about, you know, how to, how to share our resources as far as the networking. Um, stance goes. And then 
EO. Um, I'm a new EO member. I joined, let's see, probably four months ago, but I'm loving it so far. I think the, uh, the seminars have been great. The networking has been outstanding. I've met some, some amazing people, um, that have already helped me in my business. And, um, I think that's super important. As you said, it is lonely at the top and it's great to have thought partners in, in the business and outside of the business that can help you kind of see those pitfalls and make sure you don't fall into them or help you climb out of them when you do. Yeah, exactly. Right. Just, it's great having people that can relate to things, but also I think sometimes the difference for me, I mean, I agree events are fantastic for, for this, but, but oftentimes it's that confidentiality that comes from EO, just knowing that you can just sort of put it out there, whether it's you know something HR related or just like, it's like gnawing at you. You just sort of put it out there. And even if people don't, it's not necessarily about a solution, but they've experienced it too. And they're just like, yep, I've been there. You know, you'll get through this one yeah. you know, and you know, you will, but it's just great to hear it from some other folks who are like, yeah, I know, you know, it's one of the prices we pay and you'll get through that one. Like we did. Uh, it's just good to have that kind of a, that community around you. Totally. Even, even being an open book company, you know, there's certain things that maybe we're seeing coming down the road that we, you know, we can't, we have to keep it close to our best. We can't share it with the team. Um, and having EOs that, that resource of confidentiality, I can share things with my EO, uh, forum that I wouldn't necessarily share with my leadership team, or I wouldn't share with, um, our, our field team. So, and, and get, get some of their experience. And, and, and learn from that. Yeah. I think sometimes if there's like nervous energy or excitement energy or anxious energy, sometimes you need to distill it a little bit, you know, <laughs> and, uh, before you ever focus it, you know, maybe it's a little all over the place or what, you know, whatever version of that, you know, someone has, it's, it's good to bounce it off some people kind of refine it a little bit. Then like, okay, now it's ready to, to share with uh, the larger team, you know, not just throwing them stuff straight from the hip. Yeah. Yeah. And have them hold you accountable as well. Yeah. Yeah. The accountability is huge. That's totally huge. Um, yeah. Cool, man. A couple other questions for you. I just wanted to sort of pick your brain. Um, do you, do you do a lot of reading and do you have a most recommended book? Yeah, I've gotten really into podcasts lately. Um, and I use the audible, like I love audible. So I drive in the truck a lot. So I'm always listening to audio books. Um, my, my favorite book is Shoe Dog. It's a, a book about Nike and um, it's, it's super relatable, especially if you're going through a tough time in business, because if you read the book, like Phil Knight and Nike, they were, they were on the verge of bankruptcy, like through the majority of, of, I would say the first 15 years of business. And they had all these fights with like the feds and, um, you know, a fight with their shoe supplier and, and they had to start over again and it's a crazy story and it's so really? wonderful. So yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating book and it's, and, and in the end there's like a, you know, in the end they go public and they make a ton of money. Like all, all the guys that helped build the business up all make a fortune. They go from basically being bankrupt to like millionaires overnight. And it's, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool book. Man, that's so cool. I, it, you know, I, I think I have, we talked about earlier, I have this, but I, I hadn't sort of read it yet. It's sort of just sitting there and I'm like, ah, do I want to read that? But it sounds like, man, that it's way tougher than the brand makes you think. You think like, oh, Nike, they just had these shoes and they just, I'm sure they just did fine. And it's like, no, they were, they were fighting it out the whole time. Gee. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
do you listen to audible do you do yeah, I do like Audible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, oh yeah, Shoe Dog, on, it, it does Phil read it himself? No, but the narrator is fascinating. There is, right? Yeah, it does a really good job. So yeah, you'll, you'll enjoy the book for sure. Awesome. And since you mentioned podcasts, and it's kind of cool to talk about podcasts while on a podcast, do you have any uh, top ones that you like to listen to there? Actually, I've, I've enjoyed your podcast. I've listened to all of them. They've been, they've been awesome. Hey, uh, which and, one? And it's fun. It's fun to... Uh, leadership's in action and it's fun to listen to like our fellow eo people and like i've learned more about them listening to the podcast than just you know getting to know them and uh at networking events too i'm like holy cow like this dude built this business and sold it and you know i love the stories so that's that's been that's been cool um eo 360 is another good one uh that i've been listening to dave will and then i have a few industry ones i listen to all the time there's a there's a um young professionals network in our, our green industry. That's a really good one. It's more landscape related, um, but they do, they focus on business and that's, that's my passion is to learn about business and then apply it to our landscape business. Yeah. Learn, learn about business and then apply it. it. Isn't it way more fun learning something when you can have the ability to apply it somewhere? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I've always loved education and loved learning things and like, the evolution of going from being the guy out in the field, literally putting pavers in the ground and planting trees and, you know, mowing lawns to now running an organization has been, it's been just a crazy evolution, but I've had to learn these things the whole way and learn about business. And, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that I actually enjoy running the business more than I did being a landscaper. I feel really fortunate and lucky that that's the case um, because I don't think that's the case for everyone, but right. um, yeah, I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. Love it. Yeah. You know, I think back to school and, you know, it's like applying lessons without something you can apply them to. is just like so boring or it doesn't really connect. But as soon as there's like, I, I love learning like you, it sounds like when you're like, oh, I can, I can apply that tomorrow. Like, I'm, I'm going to tell my team about that. We, we got to try that. Like, it's so much more practical. You can, you can put it to work. You can test it out. And maybe it helps you out of some pain you're experiencing. I think maybe that's the thing in school is you're not really any pain. So you don't really care about the solution per se. You're like, ah, what do I? And also maybe they're not really teaching things you can use necessarily, but it's like, oh, you're in pain. How do you solve this thing? You read a book or listen to a podcast and that one little idea, right? Maybe it's this whole podcast. You're, you're not really paying attention, but you get this one little nugget and then it's, you just take that and run with it tomorrow or that day, that night you're on email, just sending your team a flurry of emails. It's so funny. I go to the conferences and I come back and my team's like, uh, what the hell? Like <laughs> I get so much energy and I have all these ideas and I'm like, yeah, I get so jacked up going to conferences and meeting new people. And, and now that's happening even more frequently as I go to these EO events, I'm like coming back, meeting these people and I'm like, oh man, I got to apply that like tomorrow. I got to implement that in our business. And, and you know, the team's like, oh boy, you know, the eyes roll. Here comes Doug, this new idea, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Like that's, that's how the comp that's how we started in the first place. Right. It's those ideas. Um, so as long as we're not, you know, whiplashing the group too much, then, you know, we gotta, we gotta keep the ideas going though. I think sometimes when you grow to a certain point, it, it's too easy to just stop, turn off that valve or maybe you build an organization that doesn't appreciate them. And you gotta make sure that 
you, know, you build in that visionary type role into a company so that you're, because I think that's where the, the future growth comes from. I think the growth that got us to a certain point, it's probably a different growth thing to get us to the next point. Um, so you got to keep having those ideas, you know, um, crazy. Hey, my next question, man. Um, I know we, we've talked a couple of times, but like, who are you? Tell me your story. You, you, you mentioned that you're constantly learning and applying things and you started out planting bushes and trees. Take me back in time, like little Doug days. Where'd you grow up? Did you always know you're going to be like boss man on the podcast talking about things or, or what did you want to be? Little Doug days. That's yeah. funny. Um, yeah. So I grew up actually not far from Boston and Norwood um, in a, I would say, lower, uh, not quite middle class family, but we didn't, we didn't know that as we were growing up, you know, we had a really good childhood. I would say, you know, we were, we were sort of in a bubble, <laughs> um, but th things were, things were great. You know, both my parents, uh, were, were super loving and supportive and my dad worked as a liquor store manager and, um, he drove for a courier service as well. So he always had a couple of jobs. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And so, uh, one, I'm one of four. So I have an older brother, my younger brother who's my business partner, and then a younger sister. And, um, yeah, I've, I've sort of, I've, I was always the, the one in the family that was sort of, you know, driven and sort of, you know, zigged when everyone else zagged. And so, um, I don't know that I would say I, I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur when I was younger, but I definitely, I didn't apply myself in high school. But when I got to college, um, so in, in high school, I'll back up for a second. In high school, my guidance counselor was like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. I just want to be outside. I like outdoors, so I want to be outside. I said, maybe I'll be like a park ranger or something. And he's like, well, check out the Stockbridge School of Agriculture at UMass Amherst. And, you know, they have a landscape program out there. And um, <laughs> it's so I was like, okay, I'll do that. But <laughs> that's that's what it took. And so I applied there. It's the only place I applied. I got in and I got to school at UMass. Um, and I was like, dude, I love this. I love it. So I, I really got into landscaping. Um, I started to apply myself at school and got good grades, much better grades than I had in high school. Yeah. And then um, I worked for a company in Needham called Hartney Graham And it was like a $10 million company back in, this is like 2000, 2001. So it was a sizable landscape and tree company. And I learned so much from them. Like they had an amazing culture. They fostered education. They, uh, they pushed safety. Um, so it was, it was just a really good experience to work there. Um, but when I, when I graduated from school, I was still there. So I stayed there for a total of about, um, five years, but three and a half was when I was in college. So I was there full time for two years and I'm like, I want to sell, I want to be a salesperson. And my manager was like, settle down, kid, like stay in the field, learn the ropes a little bit more and, you know, you'll be able to sell at some point, but now it's not the time. And I was full of piss and vinegar and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Screw this. I'm out of here. And so I, I left and this, this will tell you how smart I am. I, I had, you know, I was making good money for a 22 year old kid. I was making like 70 grand a year and, um, I quit and started my own company with no customers, like nothing. I had nothing at all. And, uh, I convinced my brother to come with me. And so there's the two of us, like starting a company right before the recession, we had no idea. Jeez. Like, yeah, it was crazy. So, um, so we just started to grind and work and work and, and then, yeah, I mean, 
we could fast forward 15 years later and you know, it's, it's been amazing. We've got 50 employees and, um, you know, we have a, we have a strong, a strong company and we're, we're charging forward to, to double this thing in the next five years. So it's been a, it's been a good journey. Wild ride. So that one that you, you bounced and you and your brother in 15 years, this, that's the company. That was the one you, you built is what the one you're in now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. We hit like a million dollars in revenue by year three. And we were just like, we were just going at that point. I pulled myself out of the field and, and, um, I just started to sell full time and it took me a while to kind of understand that we were doing so much design build work, which is not reoccurring. And mm -hmm. we were, we were making that sort of the growing the business around that. It, it took me until probably like 2017 to realize this isn't going to be a scalable business for us. We need to really focus on maintenance and snow because that's, that's reoccurring and we don't have to resell a hundred percent of the portfolio every year. So four years ago, we started to make a, a, a shift to reoccurring revenue. And so now that design build portion, that was, was about 65% of our makeup is now under 20% and the rest of our business is, is maintenance and snow. Um, wow. and it's, it's really changed a lot of the culture and it's changed a lot of my lifestyle too. I'm not, I'm not, uh, working a hundred hours a week anymore. I'm not banging my head against the wall, trying to sell all that work every year. So it's, it's, um, it's been a really good shift for us. Man, that, what a cool story. You just, was it persistence? I mean, you just kept at it. Did you, did you have the answers or you just had the, the drive to do it long ago? I, I think it's drive, but it's, it's definitely, I didn't have the answers. I didn't even know <laughs> what profit was, you know, I, I had no idea. Um, but it was, it was networking, honestly, like, like networking, not to grow the, not to grow our business per se, not to win more sales. It was networking to understand how to grow a business. I was networking with my peers. Um, I wasn't going to like a BNI group or anything like that. I was, I was finding, Hey, who's the $10 million players in the, in the Massachusetts market. And can I go come and visit you and pick your brain and see the insides of your company? It's like, can I talk to your operations guy? Can I talk to your sales guy? And, um, that's, that's how I learned. That's how I learned to run a business really, you know, and, and it's been, it's been super rewarding to learn that way. And I've created the greatest group of friends all my friends are landscapers and they all run, you know, businesses that are strong and successful. And now sort of like a peer group, I can bounce ideas off of them and they call me for stuff. And, um, and, and so it's, it's a, it's a cool network. The green industry is very open and honest with, with each other. That's cool. It, it, I mean, there's so much business out there. It's always great when you have an industry or several companies who, who aren't trying to like just destroy each other and they realize there's just infinite customers out there that they can, they can collaborate on hypothetical question for you. I may have a time machine up here in New Hampshire. It may or may not have, I can't confirm or deny it. Uh, but, uh, it's under a tarp in the backyard. So you come on up, we get some beers and you get to use the time machine, right? But it's a particular kind of machine. It goes back in time and it goes a couple days after that, that degree you got out the urban forestry, you know, you're, you're all done. Uh, a few days after that graduation, you get to go meet yourself. What kind of things are you telling yourself? What kind of advice are you giving yourself? I would say be confident. Um, I think from my upbringing, I, I 
tend to lack confidence in, in my abilities, my experience, um, especially comparing myself to others. And so I would say, be more confident, trust yourself. Um, and then just be in this for the long haul, like, like play the long game. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint, um, and be disciplined and persistent. I, I think that, um, the more, the more persistent you can be and the more disciplined you can be, you're just going to get so much farther ahead than other people because discipline has been super hard for a lot of people to inflict in their life. And, you know, for me, I'm a creature of habit. And if I get something in my normal repertoire, I can continue to do that. And, and that's been a huge help. And, um, yeah, the, the, the discipline is huge. Like Jocko Willink and those guys have, have got me to understand from reading those books. Like you have to trick your mind and, and trick your mind and, and be disciplined every day and tell those little voices you hear that say like, Hey, you know, duck out of work early or don't go for a run or whatever. You get to block those out and just, just drive towards the goal. Does he have, I mean, he's a, he's a great guy. I've heard him on some podcasts. Um, Jocko, Just when he comes to tricking your mind, did he have any tips on that? Like how, how do you trick yourself to the right thing? Yeah. So, uh, Jocko and I think David Goggins is another one. If you've heard of him, he's amazing, but I I love like the accountability mirror. If you've heard that, like he'll he'll write shit up on a mirror, like, and just say like, you know, Hey, you got to do this. And that way, when you look at yourself in the morning and you see, I will run two miles today. Um, you know, you have to look at yourself and see that, and that's going to drive you to do it. And if you don't, like you feel that guilt inside that you're not fulfilling, you know, the, those things that you said you would do, you're not, you're not being accountable to yourself. Wow. Accountability mirror. This is crazy, man. It is crazy. Um, how do you find time? I know there's, uh, you know, some, some hockey action, uh, after work. And I mean, how do you find time to squeeze it in and, and how many leagues are you in? <laughs> I, I play in, uh, right now I'm in two in, I'm sorry, I'm in one league and one pickup game. So, I play a pickup game every week. Um, before COVID, we had two leagues. And then both of my girls play hockey as well. I have wow. two daughters and they play. So we're in rink seven days a week. And and thank God my wife's amazing and she can get the kids to hockey after work and so forth. And I can finish up my work day. And then I, I, I get to the games on the weekends and I'm able to sneak out to my games at um, you know, 9, 10 o'clock at night. I have one tonight at 1030. Oh, so geez. It, yeah, it's brutal. It, Tomorrow morning's six thirty meeting at the office is gonna be rough, but you know, it's it's my exercise and I love it. What league is it? It's uh it's called Power Play Hockey League. Okay. Have you heard of the Hockey Academy? No. You haven't heard of that those guys? Um because I've been in some of their leagues. Uh the Hockey Academy. Yeah, um they've got they've got some different leagues and they've got like different uh not that you wanted another one, but maybe you need another league to add to your list. But yeah, the hockey academy they have. Um, that's where I learned. I think we talked earlier that I like I got into hockey in college. You did too, right? Was that right? Yeah, I started playing. Well, I tried in high school, and like you know, I start I I started when I was in tenth grade. Uh, to be honest, my my family couldn't really afford for us to play hockey when we were growing up. Yeah. So when I got to high school, I tried it, and I sucked compared to the other kids. They've been doing it forever, you know, and I'm just. I, I had, I knew how to skate, but there's that hockey sense that like, you know, they had better edges and they understood like how to see the game and so forth. And I was so far behind, I was playing pond hockey, you know, for forever. So, um, but now, now I play in these, 
call them beer leagues, right? And you know, they're they're late night games, but it's 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 a blast. It's the only exercise that I really get that's like fun. You know, I hate working out, but I do it. But hockey's just a blast. Yeah, it really is, man. Uh, you know, no other sport have I ever uh, had just the sweat streaming down my head. Something about wearing that helmet and just, <laughs> and you know, you think you're tired and then, oh my goodness, you know, you got to get back out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, I used to, I used to remember, you know, when I wasn't in shape, I would just be so happy to get off the ice to do a <laughs> shift, you know? And then, then it's later on as the season progressed, I'd be in shape and then I'd be pissed. I'm like, I'm not switching out. Like I'm staying out here. <laughs> Have you watched yourself play yet on a, on a video? No. <laughs> God, it's amazing how slow we are. Like we think, oh, I'm sure. Like we're flying around the ice, you know, and then we watch ourselves on a video afterwards and we're like, holy shit, like we are <laughs> old and we suck. Yeah, and then you go watch a Bruins game and it's zoom, right back. Yeah. <laughs> we just imagine we're going that fast in, in our leagues, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so true, man. So true. Oh, this is, this is awesome. Hey, where can people connect with you? Um, whether it's, you know, talk business, professional, whatnot, and then what are some good links for you and the company? Yeah. So you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty active on that. Uh, and then our, our company website, www.landscapeamerica.com. Um, it's probably the easiest way to connect with me is, is, uh, is through LinkedIn, but my email address is pretty easy too. It's, it's dmickedup at landscapeamerica.com. So my first initial last name. Excellent. I'm, I'm looking at here. So residential and commercial, and do you have a particular territory that you cover for the folks listening? Cause this greater Boston area, people listening here. So I know sometimes it's hard to find, you know, landscaping that you can trust. So are the particular areas you cover? Yeah, it's a pretty wide uh, coverage area, I, I think, for southeastern Massachusetts anyways. But for commercial work, we go down as far south as Taunton, up north to Canton, Westwood, and then we follow sort of Route 9 down through Natick, down to Marlboro, and then 495 back to Rentham, so through Milford and, and then towards Rentham. Excellent. And one day, all of America. That's the hope. That's the plan. Good, man. Well, dude, Doug, this has been awesome, man. Thanks for coming on here and just kind of hanging out and teaching me stuff and, and just having a good time. Yeah, I've had a blast. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Absolutely. And, you know, for those people listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I have two pages of notes front and back over here, then share this episode with someone else. That's how you're a thought leader, just by simply getting some content in some other people's hands. Um, that's the way we make it happen. And, uh, yeah, so this has been a great episode. Doug, thank you again, sir. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. This has been another amazing episode of Leadership in Action. We will see you all next time. Leadership in Action is sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. As the world's only peer-to-peer -peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs, EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.